Welcome to the Sisters of Resistance podcast for the week of February 18th, 2018. The speakers on this podcast sometimes use bad words, so listener discretion is advised. And find us on Stitcher at Sisters of Resistance, all one word. Find us on Podbean at Sisters of Resistance, all one word, at podbean.com. And then find us on Sisters of Resistance on Facebook. And email us at Sisters of Resistance 3, all one word, at gmail.com. And in addition, please find us on iTunes, Apple iTunes, and find us on SoundCloud, again, at Sisters of Resistance. And I am excited to say that my I am here in Vero Beach, Florida, with my three with my two sisters. We're sitting across from each other, so this is in fact a live show. So, who would like to begin first? Franny, would you like to start? Well, sure. I think it's just great to be down here in Florida. The weather is spectacular, and it's fun, of course, to be together and have all the sisters be together. And so, I thought that you know what I was thinking about it was most important to talk about was uh, the indictments that just came down on Friday and um, the fact of the focus that the Russian intrigue had on the state of Florida. And Meg, how are you doing today? Hey, I am so glad to be with my sisters and uh, be here uh, on a beautiful morning. And uh, it really is fun for us to be together. So welcome to everyone else who's joined us. And I want to do a shout out to our friend Valeria. We were at a party at her digs last night with some of her Florida friends, and it was really wonderful. Uh, I can't remember them all, but there was Tim and Tom and Linda and uh, Ray, I think was one of them, and so and Harvey. So it was quite a nice group of folks to talk to. And congratulations on her anniversary. There you go. There you go. Get another day, my friend. So, um, so Franny, why don't we start off with you? What you got going on? Well, I think that uh, from my, some of my friends in Florida, I know what a difficult time they had during the course of the election. Uh, the, the, my closest friends in Florida were supporting um, Hillary Clinton, and they really were heartbroken at how difficult it was to, uh, to advocate for Hillary during that difficult time because of the, so many people and so much of the population down here was so hateful towards Hillary. Um, and now we discover after that, carefully drawn and brilliantly written 37-page indictment that came out on Friday, February 16th, that the Russian effort to influence the United States election of 2016 had a heavy focus on Florida, that they recognized that Florida was what they was referred to as a purple state, and they wanted to swing it for Trump. And they began an effort that they referred to as Florida goes Trump. Um, and they did all kinds of bizarre things. Um, like, uh, as has been reported, uh, having a Hillary impersonator inside a prison suit and, and putting a cage uh, for the imprisonment of Hillary and, and, and presenting Florida goes Trump rallies um, across the state of Florida, I believe in 20 different states, corresponding with the Trump campaign. Uh, the Trump campaign was completely unwitting, although they were apparently surprised by the vehemence of the grassroots effort I put, uh, Reg, on our Facebook page an article from Politico uh, that recites some of these things that I'm mentioning. Um, but the effort and the, and the energy um, to advance Trump's uh, uh, candidacy was, was noticeably strong. And um, I raise all this because this morning um, our president has tweeted out 
that uh, H.R. McMaster, who said that it was now incontrovertible that the Russians had attempted to influence our election, had forgotten to point out that there was, in fact, no influence on the election. It's nonsense. I would like to call bullshit on that <laughs> um, and just say that that's uh, ludicrous. Uh, Trump won Florida by 49% to Hillary's 47.2. And for anybody to, to believe that these efforts didn't have an effect um, is utter nonsense. And the fact that nobody recognized that these were Russians or that this was some sort of foreign or odd influence is only because the incredible crass, um, crassness um, of the manipulation uh, was completely in line with the crassness and the incivility of the Trump campaign. It just fit in to put Hillary in a prison suit. Mm. It was perfectly okay yeah. to put a cage on a Lock her up. Yeah. It just fit in so that nobody ever really uh, could see that there was a difference between this foreign influence and what it was that um, was happening on the ground. Um, and as disturbing as it is that the Russians uh, interfered with our free and open society, the problem is so many Americans bought it. Yeah. So many Floridians, I suspect, were willing to buy into it and were yeah. willing to go with this hideous campaign that was undertaken. And so um, I just wanted to, uh, to make that observation. So that was one point I wanted to make while we're all down here in Florida. Interesting. The other that I wanted to uh, speak to, and I've also put this on our Facebook page, was the article by Ronan Farrow that came out in The New Yorker. Now, there's so much news that's hitting our listeners, and our effort is to try to identify uh, some part of it that maybe hasn't come to the forefront with this fire hose of crisis uh, that is constantly um, uh, coming, about, coming at our listeners and see if we can identify some things and see something that's interesting within them. Um, if I may just make one other observation, going back to the, the influence on the Florida election. Um, one of the, uh, I believe that the, uh, the, the rally that had uh, Hillary in the prison outfit was in Broward County, oh. which is interesting of late because that is the regrettable and so sad location of Parkland High School. Mm. Um, and it indicates in the political article that that has got a, a very high percentage of Democrats in that county. So I think that's one reason mm. why we can look to Parkland and the, uh, the resurgence of efforts uh, towards gun control coming out of those kids and those po that population because of uh, their interest in progressive politics. We can hope yeah, I that noticed that. There's a, a very uh, different quality. adept, uh, uh, able uh, speaker, a high school kid who's doing quite well sharing what he, what, sharing his, his thoughts. And um, yeah, I, in fact, I, there, there just seems to be a very strong movement among these high school kids. And I think that may be the way, that, just, that may be the way that we have to go with these things. Because no one else, nothing else has worked and no one else is listening to this. So, and and that, if it gets them out and voting. Yeah. Mm, that's right. Mm, that energized. That is very important. That's yeah. a very good point. That's Mark. a really good that's point. That's a very good point. So forgive me for going off track there for a second, but the Ronan Farrow article, I, the Ronan Farrow article uh, goes back to um, Trump's various alleged affairs. And uh, listeners will recall the name of Karen McDougal. Um, Karen McDougal 
uh, is a woman who is alleged to have had an affair. She was a Playboy bunny. I'm not sure if she was a porn star. But at any rate, she was mostly, um, her career was in the Playboy uh, side of things. And it's alleged that she and Trump undertook a relationship in 2006. Now that it's been reported that her story was brought up by the National Enquirer uh, to the tune of $150,000. And then the Enquirer didn't print it, saying that it wasn't credible which is pretty odd. You would have thought they would have made that decision about credibility before they paid out the $150,000. Uh, but no, apparently they waited until after the story had been purchased. And it's a, a, the article refers to it as a practice that's, re, that's described as catch and kill, mm. um, that it is a well-known um, um, procedure, so to speak, um, in uh, the, the, the media to try to capture and kill these stories. Um, the National Enquirer is owned by a company called AMI, American Media International, I think that's the full name of it, uh, run by a name, man named David Pecker, who was alleged to be a friend of Donald Trump. But at any rate, they purchased, um, they purchased for $150,000 um, the rights to Karen McDougal's life story insofar as it had to do with sexual relationships with then-married men. Um, and so... Uh, she is under an obligation to, to, to only let her story go in that direction. So how does Ronan Farrow get to have an article? Well, it turns out that Karen McDougal appears to have had a male companion who was, looks like he was a live-in companion, um, who somehow came into possession of an eight-page written narrative by Karen McDougal of the uh, presumed affair with Donald Trump. And it's from that eight-page handwritten narrative that Ronan Farrow writes his story. And I put the article up there. People can read the specifics. You saw something about it? Yeah, I saw it. And what, what, what came to mind for me is the juvenility, juvenileity, her juvenile <laughs> handwriting. It's like oh. big, circle-y, circle yeah. you know. It was just so interesting. And the thing that I, the article was that, the gist of the article was that all these scenarios, the scenario that happened to Miss McDougal happened to all the other women that are alleging that they had a you know a, a meetup with uh, with with 45, and that they are all denying. They said it was in a hotel room and you know it was in a hotel in Beverly Hills. It was private. He ate steak and mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. It's, that's what you call a pattern. Lawyers would call it's it a, a pattern. A pattern of conduct. Right. There are certain things that are just signature and specific to an individual. And he always has the TV on. <laughs> that suggests a yeah. pattern of conduct. Right. So you're right. Um, and the, and the matchup is between Karen McDougal, also Stormy Daniels, and then the third, there's a third woman whose name is escaping me now, I think it's Alana Vervos, or something like that, mm. who alleges that she was uh, uh, approached or assaulted in some way against her consent, but with um, the allegation regarding McDougal and regarding Stormy Daniels, who's also someone named Clifford, um, it's with complete consent. But the pattern, as you say, is the same. It's, it's not just a hotel. It's the Beverly Hills Hotel in a bungalow. Yeah. And so for the benefit of the readers and my sisters, who I knew would be interested, uh, <laughs> I looked up uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel, which uh, I didn't put it on the website. I was sorely tempted. Um, but there, there are 23 private bungalows offering a unique Beverly Hills experience with their lavish decor, private access, and spacious living spaces. The most exclusive bungalows are complete with private patios and gardens, plunge pools, outdoor showers, and more exciting features. 
It doesn't sound no. like the Hilton that we just went to. No, to where the <laughs> air conditioning didn't work. And, and so, um, as a practical matter, this is a certain pattern that, to me, suggests credibility. I'm not sure what the National yeah. Enquirer had with a problem with it, but at any rate, what it says to me is just what a messy history, what a messy mm-hmm. lifestyle um, that that's a lot of time and resources. They also said they were all escorted by Keith Schiller, a yep. of them. Yep. All oh, the bodyguard. The by the, by who the bodyguard. Who was the made the chief of staff. And, like the high, and he brought who the firing, does that? He brought the firing letter to the FBI, firing Mueller. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and, but still, it exposes uh, the person who engages in such a lifestyle to blackmail. Blackmail. To yeah. extortion. Uh, to compromising and compromat, as the Russians call it. So what gets interesting here is that AMI bought the exclusive rights to the story, but it seems as though they continue to have an interest in her, and every time there's a a journalist who's interested in her story, they suddenly start to up the ante. They talk to her about how they're going to have a, um, put her on the cover of the magazine, they're going to have her host various um, Emmy and, and TV uh, award shows. Uh, they're going to boost her career. They're going to That's uh, help right. her advance This is McDougal. This is McDougal. Yeah. Advance her aging and skincare line. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they've got her on a pretty short leash. They also want to get her a publicist. They've permitted to her to answer legitimate press inquiries. So it sort of seems as though they've got her on a leash. They let the rope out a little bit. They bring the leash back. And the implication of the article is that it makes Donald Trump very vulnerable to the publisher of the National Enquirer. Mm-hmm. Because if they do publish Karen McDougal's life story, it stands that Trump is going to be harmed or shamed or hurt in some way. I submit he's vulnerable to that because allegedly paid off 130000 to um, Stormy Daniels, or at least his lawyer acknowledges that he did so. He's very afraid of having this stuff come into the media, and yet he's got this messy, indisciplined lifestyle. And what does it say about somebody that has spent so much time and resources in satisfying himself in these kinds of ways in a bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hilton? And, he's and so president. to flesh that out, though, it's... Um you said if the National Enquirer and the guy named the the guy David Pecker yes, he's, is is he the CEO? He's the C, he's the CEO, I believe, of AMI. AMI, okay, okay. So it's two separate entities. Well, the AMI is the parent corporation to National Enquirer. Okay, okay. So it's all the same organization, all the same outfit. All right. And oh, don't you think he put the kibosh on that if someone tried to print that? He put the the article suggests that he put the kibosh on the story, but he also controls the story. Okay. And should. He, for whatever reason, would say? influence Donald Trump. He would oh, okay. have the ability to do that. Okay, which goes back to blackmail. Which goes back to blackmail mm-hmm. and goes back to my personal belief that the salacious tape that's alleged in the dossier is likely to be true. Yeah. Is I, This is just my personal opinion, um, and that it's likely to be compromising material that the Kremlin holds on Donald Trump, which is why we sure. see Donald Trump Jumping wetting his pants yeah. every time it comes time to take a high position against um Putin or the Kremlin, and so it's very disturbing. It's very sad, um, but uh, and he's go ahead. I'm sorry. Those are my observations uh, uh, at this point. And that uh, he's done nothing in his most recent tweets or anything to share about about how we need to put the screws to Russia, how we need to do something about that. He's done nothing. I guess he was. This is Sunday morning that we're taping, uh, that we're recording, and I, I guess it was a wild tweet storm. 
Uh, last night and this last morning. night just just crazy it's, it kind of reminded me of like captain ahab i think takes a complete nut at some point in the book <laughs> like well maybe it was the movie i saw <laughs> gregory peck acting as captain ahab maybe refers to this as trump um, chewing through his chain uh, and, uh, and being off uh, the reservation and so he did uh, differ with mcdaniels but you're absolutely right that is the really frightening point is that we were attacked yeah and he is doing nothing to vindicate or advocate for the United States, our president. There you go. I rest my case. Thank you. Meg, I see you are ready to go chomping at the bit, speaking of someone. So talk to us. What you got? Well, I, I just want to say following up yes, on Franny's uh, comments that of, of Trump and the uh, National Enquirer, I think they, let to, they like to let this beautiful woman out a little bit because it enhances 45's virility in terms of his base. All these people who wish they could have such a lifestyle. But it's hilarious to think of every time 45 checks into hotel, they have to bring out the rubber sheets because you never know exactly what's gonna happen. Um, what I want to talk about today is, um, and I want to apologize to our listeners because I know I have gone on and on in the past. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trim myself back here, uh, and talk about the indictment that was brought out as a surprise for all of us by Deputy Attorney General uh, Rob Rosenstein. And it's in the department of, I told you so. We knew that something funny was going on with the election, the awful things that had happened. Mueller's work set out exactly what were some of the crimes that these Russians violated. They posed as United States persons and used social media to attract U.S. audiences to, in order to further divides among us socially. And you know, that was 45's whole thing, us against them, tap into the hatred. And they interfered in this election without revealing their identity in doing that and using fraud and deceit, they violated some specific U.S. laws. The first one is the Foreign Agent Registration Act. And this is the one that we were able to gig Flynn and uh, for not registering as an agent. You have to register, okay? So these people were in the United States pretending to Americans, pretending to be Americans, and attempting to influence U.S. elections. They used the actual identities of U.S. citizens, including their social security numbers, their home addresses, and their birth dates. And by using this stolen information, the Russians opened up fraudulent accounts at federally insured banks. And you know who's in charge of investigating violations at federally insured banks? It's the FBI. So this indictment shows the actual machinations of these agents in how they transferred money. And they transferred money and used their influence in violation of federal laws. They also had unindicted co-conspirators, which means that the people of the grand jury are aware of the identities of some people who cooperated with these Russians. That information is not included in the indictment because Mueller is holding that in his back pocket. 
A second law that was violated was the federal election campaign. You know that when money is spent on election, you have to make reports to the FEC. Okay? So these Russians were sneaking money in and out of the election without making a proper report to the Federal Election Commission. And there is a specific ban on foreign expenditures. So basically, the Russians committed violations of U.S. law with the aid of unindicted conspirators. Stay tuned, there'll be more to follow. So basically, Mueller set up what the crimes were so that in his next wave, he can explain the conspiracy and who was involved in it. So this indictment is very, very important. And the other thing I wanted to mention is in our department of you should be ashamed. And we are now addressing the U.S. House of Representatives that took advantage of the media blackout, in effect, following the horrible, horrible tragedy in Parkland, Florida, in order to do their dirty work. They passed a law which they call the American ADA, the Act for the American Disabilities Act, in order to gut it. The original act was signed by the first President Bush in 1990, and the point was to prevent discrimination against handicapped people who sought access to public accommodations. This is malls, theaters, places of business that are open to the public. And it provided a means by which the handicapped person could seek redress against operators of these accommodations who were not providing handicapped access, okay? But what the, quote, Reform Act does is impose a time-consuming, very difficult process on the disabled people. It shifts the burden of compliance from the money-making operators of these public accommodations on to the poor guy on crutches, on to the child in the wheelchair. It is absolutely shameful. It guts the enforcement provisions and further, by requiring the handicapped people who only want to get into the mall. Like the rest of us. (laughs) Right. The handicapped people by saying they can't even sue unless they go through this long process of waiting months and months and months, they have to go to arbitration uh, or mediation. The good news is this rule has only been passed by the House. Now, remember, it has to be passed by the Senate, too. The bad news is I checked on Congress.gov this morning, and in September before the election, Senator Jeff Flake introduced the exact same law into the Senate. Now, of course, with 45's election, we've got a whole new Congress. But what that means is the Senate Senate is ready to rock and roll as soon as they see an opportunity to do their dirty work uh, when we are not looking. And I can tell you, the Sisters of Resistance are going to keep our eye on it. That is shocking. It's shocking, not unusual, and the shame. No one has any level of shame 
No one has any shame, has no integrity, has no credibility. This administration uh, seeps just cruelty. They couldn't, they had months and they could not follow up on the children's health insurance. They don't have time to talk about the dreamers, but they do have time to allow mentally ill people to get guns, and they do have time to put more burdens on disabled American veterans, excuse me, American citizens. Shameful, but not surprising. These people disgust me. Well, in that in that vein, Meg, um, I recall seeing, in fact, it was Rachel Maddow who was talking about uh, Senator Charles Grassley, who was making commentary about the um, about the uh, the he reasons. Was, yes, he was saying that the states are not doing a good enough job in submitting information on their mentally handicapped people, and that the federal government is not doing a good enough job in entering that information into the indices. I want to point out that each state has varying laws on what constitutes a mental illness. Secondly, voluntary treatment is not a prohibitor under the Nix Act. Thirdly, Grassley himself introduced legislation to make it easily, easier for the mentally ill. And that was followed up by our wonderful President 45 as one of his first official acts in that he took away a protection for the American people, which was that persons receiving Social Security who are not considered to be smart and sane enough to handle their Social Security check, okay? His executive order says, hey, but you can still buy a gun. And that was brought up by Grassley. So I can say that these men are despicable. Absolutely. Um, As I said, there's no level of shame that these folks will not go to. Um, And the Nix Index is meant to be weak. It was designed mm. to be weak. The NRA fights everything that might strengthen it. And the FBI has at its access an instant, expensive fingerprint background check. But the NRA lobbies to prevent the use of fingerprint background checks, which are most accurate. And you know why? Because it doesn't want potential gun owners to feel like criminals. Well, tough shit. <laughs> Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. So, um, so what I, I was, again, I, you know, I, I hardly ever know where week. to go with any, a stunning week. It was a stunning, stunning week, and it all dropped on a Friday afternoon as we were driving home from St. Augustine, and we're listening, and we're checking our iPads. And, but I, this morning, I've, I, I have a, just a ray of hope, just a ray of hope. Apparently, these young high school kids, these high school kids in Florida are pretty pissed off. I mean, and I'm so grateful that they're going to be taking action. So one of the actions, I posted it on our website, on our Facebook page, is that organizers behind the Women's March are planning a national school walkout day to protest gun violence. Now, with our fellows last night, someone quoted the date as being either May 20th or May the 1st. However, the article says... The national, it's hashtag national school walkout for 17 minutes at 10 a.m. across every time zone on March 14th, 
2018 to protest Congress's inaction to do more than tweets, thoughts, and prayers in response to the gun violence plaguing our schools and neighborhoods. So this, so Meg? Well, Reggie, is that something that regular people can support? Well, I'm going to be there. So it says, it says, um, it, it, it invites students and allies. It says we need action. Students and allies are organizing the National School Walkout to demand demand Congress pass legislation to keep us safe from gun, gun violence. So I would say go to a high school that morning, stand outside, and be a presence. Have a sign. I fully intend to. I'll find what high school, maybe it's New Bedford High School, Rochester Regional High School, Bishop Stang, whichever one. And I'll be there because something has got to give because they clearly are not, no one else is taking any action. Yes, Meg? Well, also, as Fernie mentioned, Parkland, Florida, happens to have a high Democratic percentage. And you could see it in the articulate statements made by surviving students who had not been brainwashed by their parents. So it, 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 it was a tragedy, a tragedy. But as you said, Reggie, it will bring us hope and light if this younger generation is mobilized to get out and vote. Did anybody see the pictures that were sent out by the White House of um, Trump at the hospital? Yes. And he is smiling brilliantly. Stupid. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Like it's a, like a magazine. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Talk about being completely senseless of what it is that's going on. I'm surprised he had any interaction with a victim because you're right. The reaction of the students and the parents has been blistering. Absolutely. But he didn't go to Parkland. He went to the hospital, which was in Pompano Beach. So he is a big chicken. And supposedly today, which is a beautiful golf day down here in Florida, he's got Paul Ryan coming in so they can talk about, quote, legislative priorities. I shudder to think what they have up (laughs) their sleeves. Right. But it, it certainly will be in a golf cart. They'll be It'll talking. be in a golf. It will be in a golf cart, and maybe they'll have chocolate cake afterwards. And my uh, the other thing that comes to mind is I'm thinking about Scott Pruitt, who is the current <gasps> administrator for the EPA, and the fact that he has these he has to sit in first class when he travels because he doesn't want to be bothered with the greedy and unwashed public in coach <laughs> because they're getting pissed off at this motherfucker for for. And you know, calling him out. and calling him out on it for calling what he's him doing out. to the environment. For what he's doing. What a gentle soul. A jerk. He has to be protected. Jerk. Thumbs down, Pruitt. You're a loser. Loser. All right. Anything? Oh, finally, there's one other thing. I was just looking at this article. The Orange. It's a new. It's a website, and there's a Twitter account called Orange Resistance. And it looks like they're doing National School Walkout on April 20th on the anniversary of Columbine. So look that up if you guys are on Twitter, Orange Resistance. And it says, Orange Resistance fights oppression in the Trump era. Racial oppression, religious, religious oppression, gender oppression, and immigrant oppression. Oh, there's just so much. You just don't even know where to begin. What about the DACA people? Oh, Those poor yes. folks. Oh. And Reggie, what date is that? that one? This is April 20th. April 20th, that's the anniversary of the Columbine. Correct, correct. So, anything else? Grills. One, one quick thing. Uh, when we started this podcast uh, 15 months ago, I decided that I would call our current president 
by the name. I wouldn't, didn't want to use his name. I would call him 45. Out of respect for the office of the presidency. Well, that's all gone. <laughs> I am now looking for a new insulting name that's easy to say and easy to remember. I've, I'm thinking of hundreds of them, but if any of our listeners have any suggestions, please email us. But I want a demeaning name that will identify 45 and also that would drive him nuts because he's the one that makes nicknames about everybody else. There you go. Put it on our, put it on Facebook. Put it on yeah. Facebook for us. That'd be great. Franny? And Regina will make an apron if you come up with the winning entry. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. And believe me, you're going to want these aprons. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah, they can be made gender neutral or they can be made as feminine or as male as you want. And if you want one for your cat, matching cat or dog aprons, we can do that too. Uh, and I would just ask everybody to take a look around in your own um, district, your own congressional district, and see if, uh, if your congressperson is a Republican or a Democrat, um, if he or she is opposed, and get involved, because yeah. this, we are holding our breath until the November election. Amen. Amen, my friends. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Franny and Meg. And we will close. Uh, by saying that because we believe it is our patriotic duty as citizens to speak out, we must insist that the reckless policies of this administration not be accepted as normal. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Thank you, Meg, and thank you, Franny. And my name is Reggie. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care and resist. Resist. Resist.